Golcast. I'm Mario Carlos. And I'm Brenna Gara. And we are here to talk about the gods today. This episode is called Oh My Gods, Part One. So we're going to do, be doing a three part episode, and that three part episode is going to be broken up into the gods, ancestor worship, and heroes, and the spirits. Um, we will have a guest next week to help us with ancestor worship and, and heroes. And uh, yeah, let's get started. Yeah. So I, I have notes here. Um, gonna try not to read off them verbatim. But, uh, <laughs> but we're both Sorry. tired because you guys can actually see us for once. Yeah, we're giving this a try. We're gonna see how much, uh, whether or not our, our our listeners like being able to watch the audio visual um, mm-hmm. and you get to see how tired we both actually are 99% of the time. Because <laughs> yeah. it is late when we record these. <laughs> yeah, it's late for me. You're just waking up. I'm getting ready to go to sleep. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> Dedication. <laughs> Alright, well, let's start this off with um, I know we've said this in a couple of past episodes, but Gaul is home to between 300 and 500 deities there's different technicalities here and there it could be the same god here just with a different spelling in his in their name whatever the case may be and a lot of this is due to localized animal and the animalism animism <laughs> it's happening already it's already happening <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> localized animism um i think the the one example i bring up the most is uh uh arduina is the goddess of the ardennes forest um, mm-hmm. things like that um you know local rivers or lakes that typically had one or two uh gods devoted to them um now now that's just the you know localized because a, a lot of these tribes had like their own like little you know pantheons so to speak um but ones that there were a few that appeared multiple times, like Tyrannus and Lugus, uh, Ipona, Sukelos, um, appeared quite frequently. Um, but like RTO and all these other deities are very, very localized. Yeah. Um, and so we, we do try to, um, this is going to be a very broad overview because there are so many. And if we try to track down the name of every single recorded Gaulish deity, we would be here for the rest of our lives. Um, Reynolds is working on something like that himself, where he's trying to look up every single inscription. And he's been doing that for, I want to say, at least six months. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a determined gentleman, that one. Yeah, old. <laughs> old uh, endeavor that he's going but that that just kind of proves our point that, that there's there's way too many to cover in one in one episode just can't can't do it can't happen so what we're going to do today is we're going to just kind of generally go over um the gods some of the history some of the synchronization syncretization synchronization synch- syncretization there we go um and uh just kind of generally talk about it um There are, like like uh, like Articato said, there are a few that kind of sink across everything. The big one is Tyrannus, um, Sakelos, Apona, um, weirdly, Katubodwa. Yeah. For yeah, which sure. there is like zero information really available for her. 
Um, but she p- crops up everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And that, and it's, it's a good thing that you and, you know, cause I obviously Swiss deities, I'm going to have a lot more knowledge about, and you're going to have more knowledge about, you know, catch Duo, who I know this much about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's a, she's fun. Sorry. Also, you guys, if you see me pause in the middle of my talking and typing, that's because I am actually working while we're recording this uh, because it's the only time of day where me and Articatus' schedule overlap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the beginning of my work shift. <laughs> yeah. Multitasking. Yes. Um, all right. So um, Rome at some point in time tried to uh, makes sense of the Gaulish deities um, and generally the gods of other cultures that they rolled over the top of. Um, and how they did that is they would secretize them to the Roman deities. Um, so what they would basically do is say, okay, well, this God seems a lot like this God and we're just going to make them the same God. Yeah. Hey, it, it'll be, it'll be fine. We're just going to, Smush them together. You guys sound <laughs> like our guy. Probably our guy, just with a different name. Yeah, you definitely are. you're definitely our guy. Um, now, the one deity, well, one of the deities that uh, actually survived Rome and was adopted by the Romans was Epona. Um, uh, that's my alarm telling me I have to start my work day. Give me just one second. Rude of my phone. Um. So Epona is a uh, pretty awesome deity. I follow her. (laughs) I might be slightly biased. Um, But because of who she is and what she represents, she appealed not just to um, the Gauls, but to the Romans. She also appealed to the um, insular Celts. She appealed to everyone. And so she was sort of adopted throughout everything and actually kept her own name. Um, I know she has also been secretized with uh, Lady Godiva in Britain. Um, I believe so. Yeah, Lady Godiva. Um, Rhiannon in in Welsh uh, folklore. Yeah. Um, And I believe occasionally she's secretized with Maka, but I don't agree with that. So I don't. Well, that's the first I've heard of that. Yeah, some people but, do that. Yeah, but who doesn't like horses? That's why she's so popular. Right, who doesn't like horses and horses in war back then? Everybody did. So, you know, everybody, there we go. Everybody was down with war back then. <laughs> yes. Um, granted, war was very different for everybody except the Romans uh, than it is now. But... Everybody liked her. Uh, she she survived much more than almost any other deity. Um, I've seen more depictions and sculptures of Epona than I have anyone else. She's it, super popular. Yeah, she is. I mean, she's, she's even in Switzerland. I haven't I haven't gotten to that part of my research yet, but <laughs> she's in Switzerland too. Yeah, she uh, horses were such a core part of society um, for travel for um battle for farming for everything and she appealed to that side of them absolutely yeah 
let's see. I can't pronounce those, so you get to do that next section with names. Oh, the uh because Latin. Because Latin. <laughs> oh, you're talking about the um, yeah, Latin. this yeah. Um so yeah, gods would often be synced with uh, Jupiter, um, Mars, Mercury, Apollo, Minerva, Vesta. Uh, those are like the really popular ones. Um especially like mars and mercury I, I don't know why but rome just kind of thought that's all that god worship was mars and mercury there uh, any kind of thunder god like tyrannus or peninos was was always equated with jupiter and then for whatever reason if they didn't fully latinize anything they would just kind of like piggy, piggyback the roman name on top of the gaulish name like caturix mars and Matutin, matutinus mercury uh, jupiter poninus it just a uh, just a weird thing that they would do just to to kind of mush them together and make them uh what, what would eventually lead to the gallo roman religion which is like this weird hybrid of roman and gaulish uh deities which is actually how some of the deities survived um because more of rome survived than gaul yeah. obviously um but Caesar liked to give fun descriptions. Um, so he actually does name a few deities he believed that were the chief gods among the Gauls. Uh, Tyrannus Isis, 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 and Tatatus. And he identified them as bloodthirsty gods who demanded human sacrifice. So here's the thing. We have no idea if they actually did demand human sacrifice or not. And we can't really take Caesar at his word because let's be honest, he just has a slightly skewed opinion. Just slightly. Um, so we don't actually know if human sacrifice was or wasn't normal. We don't know if it actually happened or not. Um, or if it was just uh, maybe something that was centered on a couple of tribes uh, we, we genuinely don't have any idea, um, but you will see that crop up if you do read Caesar's writings. And if you like, uh, I know there's a documentary on HBO called um, Celts, Blood, Iron and Sacrifice. I believe they they said that a couple of tribes did do human sacrifice. I don't I have to rewatch that. I don't, even, I don't even think I finished it the first time. Oh, I have HBO now. I should totally go watch that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's I didn't even Blood. know it was there. <laughs> Yeah, I I stumbled upon it by accident. It was amazing, but it's 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 not even about like the insert Celts. It is about Gaul. It is awesome. Um, but yeah, they they uh, they definitely run with the theory that there was human sacrifice. And I, you know, I because I have to rewatch it because I don't remember if they actually found evidence of it or not. But if they did, we don't know if that was across Gaul or if that was just a couple of tribes. You know, we 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 don't know. But like he, I, I believe. Caesar in his memoirs, uh, Tyrannus liked the wicker man, you know, burning someone alive in that. Uh, Totaltus was drowning someone, and a Zeus was hanging people. I don't know. It was very graphically descriptive and very specific that each of these each of these gods <laughs> had a particular sacrificial method. To me, that sounds like uh caesar was trying very hard to do some uh what's it called uh marketing basically marketing 
Yeah, um, definitely a kind of a de uh, maybe not dehumanizing tactic, but definitely a uh, oh look at these wild savages. A scare tactic, a scare. Yeah. But Caesar was also afraid of Gaulish women, and I feel like that was probably a smart plan. <laughs> now, many of the modern Gaul Pauls see Tautatus not as a god, but as a title. Um, more than a specific actual Dewey. Uh, it roughly be, means defender of the tribe. And there are a number of gods that can actually be um, a tautatus of your individual practice. Um, and it shouldn't necessarily be limited to deities. It could also be an ancestor. Um, so that we're not sure if it is that there is an actual deity by that name, or if it was just a title that like, let's say you live in a, a small town next to a big mountain and that mountain's spirit or uh, that mountain's God is the one who is worshiped as the defender because of how it's positioned. Um, or it could be that it's an actual God who was named Tautatus. We have, we have no way of knowing because there's not a whole lot of what we would call written evidence. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I, I personally view it as the title because, uh, you know, various and, and I forgot to mention this earlier. The Gaulish term for uh, god or goddess is Dewoy and Dewa. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, uh, you know, I like the example you're going with. Um, we have Brigantia, who is a very uh, Athena-esque uh, Dewa, uh, very popular. Mm -hmm. She popped up quite a bit as well. Um, she was uh, a very uh, she was a hearth goddess, but a um warrior you know a, a warrior goddess as well so she could have been a uh a, a totautis or i think there's a that's, that's not the feminine version of that word but you get what i'm going at. i got I, you yeah she could have fit the bill too yeah absolutely um and i think that it uh in my opinion for my practice it really is just a um a title um for me and my personal practice it is um one that is uh, assigned to one of my ancestors, a specific ancestor. Um, and so I use that for, for him, her, them. I'm not sure what gender they are. <laughs> uh, hard, to hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me personally, I have quite a few uh, protective uh, deities in my practice. But as, if I were to name anyone as a totautis, it would probably be... Uh, uh, Divico, who was an actual person, uh, I just I venerate them as a protective, like guardian spirit in a well, in, in a way. Mm -hmm. um, that that's who I see as my totatus. Okay. Um, now moving along, um, Gaulish gods are pretty multifunctional. Uh, Ardio is a bear goddess, but her functions are a lot more than that. So she also does. Um, a protector, she's a guide, um, things like that. Now, I think, don't you worship Artio Articados? I do, I do. Why don't you take this one away? Uh, because I don't. I just see uh, Artio and I go, that looks like somebody I'm good not having to fear pissing off. <laughs> right, you are, because I've done that. And um, but yeah, Artio is definitely one of my main deities. It's where the Arto comes from in my name. Uh, she's the the great mother bear. Uh, she, she you know she's a protective guardian, uh, a guide. She she performs a lot of motherly functions. Uh, you know, in my personal experience, she's very wise but very stern. 
um definitely not someone to piss off and i've done that i've done that on two different occasions and uh i got violently ill both times i did that and i, I mentioned in the last episode that i i made an offering of green beans shouldn't have done that uh the other time uh i believe she has um numerous children i didn't know i don't know at the time didn't know who they were i have ideas now but uh, I was being very persistent trying to identify them. And I even I literally woke up with one of my runas not in my my little well if I can reach it. Not in here. Not in here. It was under my back when I was sleeping. I woke up with it under my back. No idea how it got there. And it was a runa that is specifically related to RTO. Kind of a message saying, not right now back off on that and of course i didn't listen and i got violently ill just a few hours later um because i'm smart like that hey look sometimes humans are slow <laughs> yeah but uh but it, it, and this is a this is kind of a little uh hint for those who like to who are interested in reconstruction because she is a bear goddess um she goes into hibernation uh, so during that time, she kind of goes in this uh, deep meditative kind of trance sleep stasis. So uh, she could be related to meditation, trance, um, entering the dream state. Uh, so she could be a goddess of dreams. Uh, I, I know some devotees, uh, viewers that I do too. I never really experienced that, but you know, it, it, it makes sense to me. Um, but th that's the kind of thought process that can that helps reconstruct a lot of these deities. And so when people just say, oh, she's just a bear goddess. Well, what else is there to that? You know, it, it, you, you just got to look a little deeper. Okay. All right. Now, I know that um, another thing that's mentioned a lot is the rope by the Romans is the the Gaulish Mercury. The big GM. The big GM. Uh, it's actually still a debated topic along a, a, with a lot of, of Gaulish polytheists now. Um, mostly because there's a lot of deities that can be equated to Mercury. Uh, most commonly, it seems to be Lugus or Carnonos. Um, Lugus most commonly, but there are a lot some things that point at Carnonos as well. Um, the similarities between Lugus and the Irish Lou um, are kind of the the bridge between uh, the bridge to making him the Gaulish Mercury, um, but there are a lot of statues and carvings of Mercury alongside two figures. One of them being a horned god, um, which could be Carnonos or Pan. Now, I I worship Carnonos <laughs> and do not do syncretism. Of any sort. <laughs> his altar is right. Oh gosh, where is his altar? Oh, his altar's right there. You can't see it. Um, yeah, I have my little little carving right here of him. Yeah. Uh, so I look at it and I'm just like, mm. um now Kurnanos <laughs> is a deity of liminality. Um he is the gatekeeper between the worlds. Um, so our world and the other world, uh, and usually is the devoy who leads a lot of people to uh, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the Gaulish polytheists that we have, uh, kind of got led here by Carnonos. Um, 
I know I was. Um, Carnonus has been with me my whole life and I just didn't know it. I actually didn't even know that he was a Gaulish deity until like a year ago. I, like many people, thought he was Irish. <laughs> and I was that incorrect. Carnunos <laughs> uh, is one of the first deities I, I, uh, I was involved with as well. Um, I, I, I was aware of Gaul and I knew he was a Gaulish god way before... Uh, I, I started listening to like Druid cast and they were talking about him like he was uh like he was Irish or Scottish. <laughs> uh but yeah, uh it, like in, in the in the Gaul chat server on Discord, a lot of people come in, you know, saying you know, saying that Carnunos kind of brought them there. And then yeah, they're kind of dumbfounded when they realize that he is not he's he's not on those islands at all. He he's he's mainland. Nope. nope. There are a lot of um Gaelic polytheists and and um, like Welsh and and things like that who do worship Carnonos, but again, in in polytheism, you have a lot of crossover. Uh, it may not even be necessarily syncretism, just as you know, the way modern society is, it you wind up with a lot of things from a lot of different cultures. Like I have. Um, the Morgan, who's Gaelic, and then I also have Katibodwa, who's Gaulish. I have the Nix, who's Greek, um, and then I also have uh, Karnonos, who's Gaulish. Um, it's you kind of wind up with this uh, a lot of the time. This kind of weird amalgam of uh, personal worship. Um, yeah, and that's totally. Fine. There's a lot of eclectic eclectic pagans out there, and you know, it's it's actually kind of cool that they have like their own like little mix and match, you know, personal pantheon that they follow. And I think that's really neat. I mean, I, I follow, you know, Gaulish and, and Norse. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it's, you wind up with, with quite a bit of um, an eclectic sort of, of makeup. Now we do have some who purely worship only Gaulish deities. Like I know Nellos, I believe it is only worships Gaulish deities um Branos only yeah. Branos I believe only worships Scottish deities um uh I I think I think he's mentioned others before but it's it's but for I I don't know for certain but yeah I I I'll, he only ever really talks about Gaulish yeah um but with you know the world being the way it is and the the lack of availability of information for us as Scottish polytheists we do wind up temporarily holding on to things until we find a way to work it into our practice. Um, and then a lot of the time, because let's say, you know, the Morgan I've been with for the hot minute, um, she'll be with me always. I am dedicated to her. That doesn't make me any less dedicated to Katibodwa, who's like a primal elder version i guess if you want to put it into like sort of a pop culture speak version and to me she is separate like she's 100 different they are not the same deity now they have the same similar areas of responsibility but you know uh was is gallic gallish and morgan is irish um yeah and every deity should be respected as in for who they are and, yeah and, and yeah 
And uh, an example that I, I've used is, uh, you know, you, you, you go out in the world, say if you're unlike us, you're a very uh, extroverted person. You like to go meet people. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to notice there are a lot of people very similar to each other. Um, it doesn't mean like, you know, I, 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 have a, I have a cousin and I have a friend that I work with at work. Very similar. Very, you know, they, they say a lot of the similar things. They like, they like the similar TV shows, books, movies, whatever. That does not make them the same person. They are very different. <laughs> they're clearly different because they're two different people. They just happen to be very, very, very similar. And if you can find that within people, you can definitely find that within the gods. That just because they are very similar does not mean that they are the same. Exactly. Uh, one second. Let's see. Sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'm looking something up and oh. can't oh, find it. it. Uh, uh, actually, now I'll, uh, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'll go ahead and uh, uh, something I was going to add in the notes that I'll just talk about now. Uh, another figure that that Caesar talked about is someone named Dispater, um, which I, I think means uh, Father Dis. Um, I, I believe that's what it means. I don't know Latin. I'm, uh, it does. Those are, that's. Um, I don't know what Dis is, but I know that pot, that Potter is Father. Yeah, and this this was another uh, a figure that Caesar names. But the thing is, there's no there's no inscription that I'm aware of. Brynos may have found something. I don't know, but uh, there's no description of a dis anywhere in Gaul. So, but uh, I think based on Caesar's account, uh, most likely the dispater was probably Sukellos. Um, mm -hmm. That's just that's just a popular opinion. Um, I think others have disagreed with it, but. Uh, and and uh, the reason we say that is because Sukellos is, is often believed to be the um, the ans like the uh, not the ancestor. Oh no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So uh, Sukellos is like kind of the the creator of humanity, and uh, Dispater is kind of lumped in that same that's that has that same attribute that, that he is the the father of the Gaulish people. So mm -hmm. I think that's uh, that's where a lot of people uh, get the conclusion that Dispater is actually Sukellos that uh, Caesar just wanted to rename for shits and giggles. Because why not? Um, so I want to go ahead because we have so many attested deities for Gaul and Gaulish speaking places. I want to go ahead and, and just go over a few that are more of the of the big names that um, ones that are more widespread. So you've heard us uh, mention Tyrannus. Uh, Tyrannus is associated with thunder. His name literally means thunder. Um, lightning, sky, rain, truth, order, things like that. And he is protected, uh, or protected, sorry. He is worshipped by a lot of the common people. Um, he is known for wielding a club or a thunderbolt um, and a wheel, which represents um, the sky, the truth, and cosmic order. Uh, so you'll see in a lot of um, uh, a lot of people who are Gaulish polytheists, you'll see them wear like a little wheel um, with spokes, and that is Tyrannus's wheel. Um, there is, like we said, uh, Epona, who is associated with horses, uh, the land, sovereignty, fertility, harvest. She is um, also a um, goddess of war, particularly the cavalry, which is why. Rome loved her and why she survived um, Rome and why she is de depicted so much in not just our, not just the Gaulish stuff, but also with Roman. Um, and like we said, she got 
everywhere. She was, she wound up everywhere because Rome wound up everywhere. And the Gauls themselves weren't exactly in a small location. They were pretty widespread. Uh, Brigantia, who's, go ahead. I'm sorry. They they were very migratory. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, horses were a very uh, highly valued, highly valued commodity. If you had horses, you could go places. Yeah. Uh, there's Brigantia. Brigantia is associated with war, high places, protection, and then possibly the strategic aspects of battle. Um, she is a hearth deity, so um, she is often associated with uh, breed as well from Ireland. Um, but again, different deities, different places, different cultures. Um, she is depicted with uh, spears, swords, a globe of victory, uh, then the little, what's it called, um, with the, a gorgon's head. Sorry, that was snakes. Oh, oh. Not that that was particularly <laughs> a descriptive motion. Uh, <laughs> that was supposed to be snakes. I, I was trying. I had I had images going <laughs> in my head like my Pictionary. <laughs> I'm terrible at Pictionary. <laughs> Um, all right. And then we've got Carnonos, who is trade, wealth, bidirectionality, liminality, large rivers. Um, he is always depicted with horns. Now, here's the interesting part is we don't know that his depiction with horns is that he has horns or that it is a um, crown of sorts or a headpiece of some sort. Um, now, if I remember correctly, I want to say the Gunstrip Cauldron depicts it more as like a head thing, not necessarily actual horns. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where the um, the the question kind of came from. Is it actually growing out of his head, or is it like kind of a crown? Um, yeah. Because, yeah. If you look closely at the the image on the Gunnarstrap Cauldron, which I actually might have an image right here. Hang on one quick second. I I have my handy dandy ancient fire book right next to me. Mine is somewhere on the shelf behind me oh here it is yeah i have one too so we have this image here which is on the gunastrap cauldron let me line it up probably disorient you guys watch that's good it's good enough but Um, if you look close at those horns they they don't really look like they're coming out of his head they're more like sitting on top of his head yeah and another thing you'll notice oh I dropped my bookmark. No. Another thing you'll notice is that there is a big difference between him and um, Pan is that he doesn't have goat feet. He has human feet. He's got little tootsie. He has toeses, uh, whereas Pan has the hooves. Um, Yeah. And uh, that that when um, neopaganism came about, and I want to say like the 1800s, I'm I'm not exactly sure. I didn't do that much research um, on that particular topic. Um, but uh, when paganism was starting to come back, um, people just kind of started mushing these horn gods together, like Baphomet, uh, Pan, Cernunos. Um, uh, I don't know where Elana of the Ways came from, but she just kind of popped up. Um, and you have you have horn deities all over the place. I actually found oh, out absolutely. Recently, I even found out recently that there's a a couple of Native American uh, deities. Uh, I think there's one in the Iroquois tribe that has you know uh, deer antlers as well. But anyway, um, but because Pain and Cernunos kind of got synchronized in a modern sense, especially when Neo-Druidry and Wicca started to come about. Uh, um, so Pain or uh, uh, Cernunos started to get little goat feats because people kind of 
synced together. Yeah, just kind of snatched it together with syncretization. Um, but he also is depicted with a torque, um, sometimes with antlers and uh, sometimes with a ram horn serpent, uh, yeah. which I think is awesome. But I love snakes. <laughs> I want to see that. So, I want to see a snake with ram horns. Me too. Uh, then there's also Nantes Velta. Uh, she is a goddess of valleys and domestic domesticity um, with underworld associations as she is depicted with a raven. She's also shown with a house on a pole and a beehive. Uh, Nantes Velta is actually one of the deities I just started worshiping um, not very long ago. And she is lovely. She's nice. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember. I have. I have my book right here, but I'm not going to look at it. I'm not a professional. Um, but I believe her name means uh, she of the valley or the valley of the. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and, and she's very she's very Persephone like for for you Hellenists out there listening to this. Yeah. Um, my goal actually is um, hopefully next year I want to get a little beehive to keep for her. Oh, that'd be um, cool. which I think would be awesome. And then we've got Sakelos, um, who is known for his big old mallet <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and depicted with it, holding a cup with it as well. He's associated with the underworld, but he's also shown with dogs, agriculture, and um, growing grapes for wine. Yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, uh, kind of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of modern like TV shows and movies. If you have an underworld you know, God, they always make them scary. Like, you know, the Hercules cartoon, which I do love that cartoon. Me too. Um, <laughs> they, they made Hades evil as hell. <laughs> Pun there. Um, whereas he's really not. A lot, of, a lot of these underworld deities really aren't that evil. But um, it's, well, it's, it's the associate with the underworld being uh, necessarily just the realm of the dead, but it's not necessarily just the realm of the dead. Um, so it is, it, it is just kind of a, an assumption that it comes from Christianization. Yes, exactly. Because, you know, death, death is bad. So if, if any God is associated with death, they're going to be bad. But Sukelos, yeah, he, he's un, he's the the Gaulish god of the underworld, but he's very festive. Like he's got that he's got that uh, wine associations. So uh, I've always assumed that to be like he 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 kind of runs the the hall of the ancestors type of thing. And, and when, yeah. when you when you cross over, uh, you just kind of hang out and you know just party. Hey, you lived a full life. Fucking kick back and. Uh, drink some wine just hang out for a bit and then we've got um serona who i actually really want to do more research on because i do worship nicks um and she is shown with a star diadem snakes uh snakes and eggs she's associated with wells and healing um but also presumably with night and dawn or dusk because her name does mean astral or divine star um and I'm not a personal devotee, but whenever I do a ritual or something at night, I do try to include Serona because I think um, she's uh, people try to throw in the moon where we don't know if that's necessarily what she's associated with, but uh, the morning star. So like, like you said, the, the dawn. So um, the, the, the planet Venus, I think uh, we, we had a big discussion about this in gold chat like a year or so ago. Um, but yeah, uh, like the, the, the night, the, the, the night. Yeah. Stars. And for me, um, I've always worshiped Nyx because Nyx has been in my life, my whole life. Um, and so I want to look into Serona as well, because they are, 
uh, similar in, in what they do. Um, Nyx is the personification of night, while Serona also is the personification of, of night. Um, at least that's the way it feels for me. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to decolonize a lot of my practice. Um, and uh, she feels very similar. Uh, maybe a little less aggressively cathonic than Nyx, who is pretty aggressively cathonic. Um, but that might just be because she comes off differently. Yeah. Um, so I think that she's, uh, she's going to be interesting. I'm not quite there yet because I am just not prepared for that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but but it is part of my plan be, uh, once I have an outdoor space I can set up an altar for her um, awesome. because I don't want to I don't feel like an indoor space is the right place to set up an altar for Serona um, and then we've got Lucas who is associated with commerce, wealth, oaths, warfare he is depicted with three faces which could be a signification of association with travel um, though it's also thought that he is a god of skills and trades. He is often um, confused with or syncretized with Lou out of um, Irish. Yeah, and there's, also, Irish. There's, a, there's a Welsh god named, I think it's, I, I, I hate trying to pronounce Welsh things, but it's like Lou or is, there's, there's a Lou or regardless, insular Celt version yeah. as well um and they try and um there's there's been a lot of uh, synchronization between the two because they do cover some similar places but again um as polytheists both of us are of the opinion that uh each dd is is their own being unto themselves yeah absolutely uh, then we have Rosmerta, uh, who her name means the great provider. Um, she is usually depicted alongside the Gaulish Mercury or Lugus. Um, she holds a person of cornucopia and she is a goddess of fertility and wealth. Um, now, a, a lot of, a lot of um, modern Gaulish polytheists have kind of associated her with divination as well. So uh, I know on Branos' site, he sells um, runas and uh, mm -hmm. I believe on his pamphlet, he, he does include Rosmerita as um, one of the, the providers of the runas. And then we've got Agmios. Um, I don't have any experience with Agmios. Um, he is spoken more of accounts than in inscriptions. Um, one Roman accounts, uh, account, speaking of him, uh, holding chains on his tongue and a soft gold and soft and golden to the ears of his followers. Uh, they go with him willingly. He is shown with a club, a bow, and skins like Hercules. Um, he is an example of how a god of another people is taken into Gaulish religion and made theirs. Um, and he is depicted at very advanced in age um, and with, uh, with someone who speaks with eloquence, which for the Gauls, um, is one of the strongest things that you one of the greatest strengths you can have is to speak with eloquence. Um, now, where, whereas you don't have experience with them, I, I do. Like I was just showing off zero experience. Show up an idol for him. Um, he, he, yeah, he's a strength and eloquence. So strength, physical strength and um, eloquence. So he, he, the, he can speak in a way that binds, which is the uh, the chains running from his tongue to the ears of warriors. Um, so whatever he says, they do. 
which is why he, he's often given kind of a psychopomp um, status as well, that uh, he um, he helps guide spirits to Kernunos, who then help, helps them cross over. That's that's a little uh, cosmetology that uh, a lot of us are reconstructing. But yes, the the club and the bow and the the, the lion pelt, which is very Herculean. I, and I know Nello's talked about it in our uh, mm -hmm. episode. Um, he's considered to be the, the the original Gaul, the 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 father of the Gaulish people. Um, yeah, he's very uh, very very cool. I, I've I've worked with him quite a bit. Uh, I have him my on my altar in my little ancestral corner. Yeah, I was gonna say if I remember correctly. Um he is more like an ancestor who has been elevated to godhood yes yes and that's something we'll definitely get into with our uh our heroes and ancestors episode is uh veneration of real people into godhood yeah um then we've got Ardio, um who is actually i believe rtu rt there's uh there's different ways to pronounce it i've always just gone with rto because it's easy yeah um and she is depicted with bears her name is related to the gaulish word for them and she is and because of that she's a goddess of seasonal cycles mm -hmm. um I, I have an idol for her as well but she's it's it's the biggest one i have so i'm not reaching over to grab it <laughs> fair uh and then we have Bellinos. Um, who is a widely worshipped god associated with uh, light, healing, springs, um, governs war, is said to have defended um, Achillea, Achillea, Italy during a siege. Um, he's also associated with horses and the solar wheel. So he's not necessarily a sun god, though he could be, uh, but a god with a solar connection. Um, yeah. This is Which, definitely a question. This is definitely someone that Nello should be sitting in on because this yeah. is his boy. That is uh not I have zero experience with Bellinos. I I'm betting though that um for Hellenus, this would be like um Apollo, who is not necessarily a sun god, but a solar god. Yeah, exactly. Um, um yeah, I, I have zero experience, but yeah, I think uh Apollo would be the best the best source to draw from. Yeah. Uh, and then we have Katu Bodwa. Uh, the, the way Katu Bodwa is spelled is Kathu Bodwa, uh, but the H in the Gaulish is silent. Uh, her name does mean battle crow. Um, she is a chooser of the slain, a goddess of war. Uh, and then presumably as those, as that she, she carries them the fall into the next life. Um, I love working with Katu Bodwa. She is terrifying and intense and um, demanding, but, uh, and also very ancient. Like how she feels is very primal. Um, it would be like interacting with a primordial deity in a different, we don't have primordials in Gaulish, but, um, but for the reference of people who are not Gaulish, it, she is she is the like for me like working with a primordial deity she is um she's she's a she's a a lot <laughs> she's a lot uh and there's not a lot written about her we don't know a lot about her um beyond um what i've what i've just stated um and then of course personal um gnosis which i have plenty of with her um, yeah. And then we've got 
ESIS. Um, ESIS is shown in relief, either tending or pruning a tree with either an ax or a bill hook. Um, he could be tending a grove and preparing it for sacrifice. It could be um, any number of things. Uh, we don't know a lot about him, um, but it does. he does suggest a connection with magic, um, which I find interesting and would like to explore more of um, because I am a witch and I do practice magic. Um, I, I did a, uh, I, I do a divination reading to help me uh, better understand uh the 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 day boy uh it's it's part of my reconstruction process i did do this for isus for the, a bng article uh and uh it was yeah it was really interesting um the the kind of message i got was that he he's it, it's cyclical like he helps get rid of the um the old the the dead the uh the something that's not useful anymore and makes way for for something that is useful clearing the way uh you know uh, uh maintaining the grove maintaining the nematon yeah which i find really really interesting um and then we also have suleya uh whose name means the good guide uh she's worshiped she's also worshiped in triplicates invoked as a guide or a guardian of places and people including home and families um i don't have any experience with her either but you know now this was just to kind of give you a an, a brief overview of some of the more well-known broader broadly worshipped deities um and you can definitely find uh that information on gaulishpolytheism.com which is definitely where i pulled it from like any good researcher uh <laughs> i pulled it off gaulishpolytheism.com um now the other thing that we haven't covered is um the the mattress the ma mattress 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 so like like the Salewia, like they um um they're a uh, they're a, a set of, a set of three uh three goddesses and they it's in my little bit of research that i've done so far because the matrix and the Salewia are on my list of gods to gods and goddesses to cover um they're they're depicted and they're mentioned all over the place and not just in gaul like in germany uh um just everywhere and uh they're very similar to like the norse norns the greek fates the um because the the matron yeah the matres um are commonly seen and associated with fate time um destiny uh but uh based on those uh those statues and, and reliefs and depictions they're, they're also seen with like cornucopias and the um uh like baskets of fruit uh so they're, they're also kind of related to uh prosperity abundance um at least that's that's in uh that's from what i've seen okay um now this episode no joke is probably going to be a lot shorter than most of our other ones just because there's so there's because there's so many deities attested deities um, in Gaulish, Gaul and Gaulish speaking places, we just, we don't have the ability to go over tons and tons and tons of them. Um, yeah. This is just sort of wanting to give you a general overview of um, deities in general and kind of explain it a little bit. Yeah, um, well, and, and, and um, like Ranagar said, if you go on GaulishPolytheism.com, not just on the Tauta Galatian site, but on my site, on Branos's site, 
because it, it's it's a hub for all these different resources and it, you'll someone's covered uh at least one of the main these main deities as well as all these different smaller tribal ones and uh um yeah there's just no way we could even even cover just the main ones because we've I, I believe we forgot to mention uh camulos who's uh a, a, we did who's a, a war deity yeah war deity who wears a ram skull and how badass is that his altar's right there <laughs> right on. up out of the picture but it's up in the top corner <laughs> Um, yeah there's just in yeah it's it's so much so much to cover and we'll probably do like individual deities further on down the road we don't know yet but yeah this is just like a general overview of uh uh, of the the kind of the main set some of the smaller tribal ones and and like just how the how the gall the gulls solve them and how we see them as well yes um All right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap that up then. Um, And we are going to move on to our final virtue for Tutaglation, which is Enrextus. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, you know what? In my Um, promotion, Ancient Fire, which you can find on Amazon. Which was written by Segamaras. In the back, he's got a pronunciation section, which I've been using a lot recently. It's, uh, yeah, rectus. So, yeah. Okay. And this means integrity and rectitude. Um, and Tutaglation, we believe in, erect- in rectus is showing integrity, not only by living the values of his spouse, by facing your inner truth and speaking out with honesty, as well as following through with everything you say with consistency, perseverance, and to completion. Um, now... Tell me, Articados, how that incorporates into your life and practice. Uh, well, I, I, I am. <laughs> this is something I've been teaching my kids, so this is definitely something I can go on and on about. It just it, there's nothing worse than just not being able to trust someone. To, it just when, the, like, especially if you know that they're flat out lying to you, like I know my kids have done. Uh, so we talked, we, I've talked to them about integrity, just even when no one's watching, doing the right thing. Um, this is something that was instilled in me, not only as a Marine, but by my parents as well, is that it, it just, it, it's to the point where I, like on a deep personal level, I don't feel right lying. Uh, At all. Yeah. Uh, and and like I, I have a little personal story. Uh, so my, my mom was up here recently and uh, I, I, in episode one, I had mentioned how I've kind of kept my, you know, polytheistic beliefs to myself. I've not told my, my immediate family. Well, I finally felt it was time to kind of come out of the broom closet, if you will, to, to my mom who was up here, you know, timing was right. Um, and uh, not only was she, um, not only was she supportive, but she has been kind of my, my Don King, if you will. She's like, she's went, she went back to California. The person next to her on the plane, uh, a couple of kids she ran into at an Apple store. Uh, she, she's like promoting my, <laughs> my WordPress site. It's like, Oh my, my son's into this polished stuff. Why don't you look at his website? So she, yeah, she's been my promoter. 
That's um, awesome. Go mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, but in the, the reason that really drove me to do that, because I honestly, if I had never said anything, nothing would have changed really. Like, but I just, I hated keeping that secret from her because I knew out of all my family, she would have understood and be supportive of uh, the most. And I just, it, personally, I don't, I'm very open and honest with people. I do not like keeping secrets. I do not like lying. It's just something that's been ingrained to me, like from the get go. Um, and plus lying is, I'm not a very good liar. It's never panned out well for me at all. And it takes so much work. It's so much, <laughs> you have to remember, it's like, it's, it's like watching a movie and having to remember the plot point to a movie you didn't even like. Yep. Six. Okay. All right. And for me, um, I'm very similar. I don't like having to try and remember lies or um, I don't feel good about doing it. Um, so it's something that I try and I try and keep my, if I don't, how do I explain this? So as a kid, you're taught, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Um, and if I know that giving my blunt, honest opinion is going to hurt unnecessarily, I just don't. I just avoid it altogether and just don't give an opinion um, yeah. rather than give platitudes or white lies. Um, yeah. And I think that in regards to the community, the only way you can build a solid and stayed community is to make sure that you have consistency and perseverance and honesty and integrity. Um, not just among the leadership, but among the everybody else as well. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that consistency and perseverance, you don't keep it to everything and finish things through, um, then it's very difficult to keep a community healthy and happy and thriving. Exactly. And if there's, if there's no trust within that tribe or community, then things are bound to fall apart. Things are going to unravel and it, it just, it spirals out, out from there. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, this was our last Tutiglation. Um, why do I keep forgetting this word? Virtue. Um, <laughs> I, I always forget the word. Uh, and starting next month, we're actually going to switch over to um, Cenobesis Bulgon's uh, version of Virtues. Um, and that will be until we finish through them, we'll be doing every month. We'll go over a Cenobesis Bulgon Virtue instead of a Tutiglation. Once we finish with them, then we'll move over to um, B&G's Virtues as well. Um, I like to be able to go through each like Tutiglation is not a, is not a, um, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm super tired. So my brain just keeps forgetting whole words. It happens. Um, word for group of people together inside of Gaulish polytheism. 
tradition. Tutta Gratiana is not a tradition, um, it, but the, but we do have we do have our virtues. Um, but um, B and G um, and Cinebesis Bulgan are both are both um, traditions within Gaulish polytheism, uh, and I want to be able to give theirs as well. Um, they're going to be similar in some ways and different in other ways, um, but we're going to be going over them individually too. Now, so, and we're you know the whole point of this podcast is to promote Gaulish polytheism in general, not just Tauta Galatian, not just. Uh, BNG, not just and other, like we want to we want to promote everyone and if, yeah. if other if other traditions start to pop up we'll probably help them shoot out. shoot us an email let us let us at your website <laughs> yeah. uh, let us know and we'll happily bring you on in I know next season we're going to go over uh, in more in depth the various um, traditions as well as um, Tutaglatian too. Um, but that's not till next season. So you guys are going to have to wait because we have a full season already. <laughs> um, now, next month, we are going to have Selguiris. Um, oh my gosh. How do I pronounce his last name? Give me a second. Karen Tiknos. Karen Tiknos. Selguiris. Karen Tiknos. Um, I always call him Selg. That's what I think everybody calls him. Yeah, everyone calls him um, Selg. Who is who's one of the leaders in, in um, Cenobis Spolgan is going to be on with us to discuss um, ancestor worship and heroes in Gaulish polytheism, which is the next, the next section of, oh my gods, part two. <laughs> um, now make sure that you uh, do pop into our Patreon to support us, which would be super awesome. Um, we do have one Patreon supporter right now, and that is uh, Sarenth Odinson from Around Grandfather Fire. So thank you so much, Sarenth. We appreciate our your new, support. Our new best friend. Our new best friend. We had so much fun on their podcast. It was so much fun. Uh, um, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Uh, and again, you can find us all over the social medias. Um, I know I have been particularly quiet as I've been trying to get another podcast off the ground. I've been hyper-focused on it. Um, but now that we've got it launched and I've got a schedule worked out. Uh, <laughs> if you like dogs. If you like dogs, uh, uh, my podcast, my other podcast is Let's Talk Dogs podcast. And it is me who is not a dog trainer. I'm just a dog owner. Um, and three professional dog trainers. Um, uh, basically on a round table um and it's a lot of fun we have a good time um and uh, um real quick um i've i showed some of my little idols that i've made yeah you uh, do I've, some pretty awesome work thank you um i'm i'm taking on commissions now i've started a little uh i don't want i don't i think it's a little too soon to call it business but it is uh, a way to try to make some extra money but i do uh i, I make idols i make all kinds of stuff i'm actually working on coasters right now um, I'm going to add it on the site and I'm, I'm saving up to get a fort so I can start making stuff out of metal and I'm going to start selling that too. But yeah, it's freaking cool. Yeah. Um, Helvetian hands on Facebook. That's the only like place to really find it right now. Or you can just shoot me personally a message on discord, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you find me. Um, if you, <laughs> if you want to, I, uh, my stuff's fairly cheap for right now. Um, I don't really see a need to charge. That might change with demand. <laughs> My demand. I know when my mom was up here, she was like, "You're only charging five dollars for 
for something like this and like yeah it's, it's fun for me and it's not hard to make uh she's like well i don't know i would charge like 20 dollars for that so <laughs> maybe in time if, if the demand goes up yeah um but uh make sure you tune into us on uh our various methodologies of of listening which is every major podcast carrier we are on um but also our youtube i am catching up on uploading all of our um episodes to youtube and this episode will actually be our first audio visual episode um where you get to see our pretty faces oh yes and all my beard and articatus is beard of of bigness that he's got happening there my, um my, i just shaved my, my beard off so you know <laughs> and my untrimmed beard that my uh my fiance refers to as hobo chic <laughs> uh but yeah so this will be our first episode where we do an audio visual episode um as we have switched over to zoom which has a much clearer audio for autocados than um our previous recording method um it does not like him at all. Not even kind of. Um, but uh, again, you can find us on uh, Twitter as Gallcast Podcast, I believe. Uh, on Instagram as Gallcast and on Facebook as Gallcast. Uh, you can find us on Patreon as Gallcast and all of our various ways to get a hold of us will be listed below in the description, um, like it always is. Well, I think it'll actually be a link to our link tree, which then pops us into all of the various ways you can communicate with us. Um, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our email is girlcast at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, concerns, uh, suggestions, anything like that, please don't hesitate to let us know. Would you want speaking to add our Yeah, speaking of which, I thank you for reminding me. We actually have a question. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they technically gave me two, but one was about... Um, non-gaulish stuff so i just kind of left it where it was uh so let me see if i can find it well maybe they maybe hang on <laughs> I remember when I was first reading this, they, they presented it in a weird way, and I, and I had a hard time figuring what the hell they were asking me. Okay, well, um, what, what this person was trying to get at is why, um, you know, we have Gaulish gods that are mentioned, but... Uh, gods like uh Vodan and donar didn't really get mentioned um because this person uh initially found uh gaulish polytheus from kernunos go figure mm -hmm. and that led that led i think I, i'm assuming their pronoun is her so forgive me if, if that's not correct but we'll just use they uh, they okay um, they rolled onto this niche pass through Kernunos and then rolled on. Um, they looked at Norse heathenism first, but then that didn't really fit their path. Now they're exploring continental heathenism. Uh, when they listened to all, all the gods mentioned, Wodan and Donar didn't really get mentioned. Why is that? Well, uh, in that episode, the because uh, they were talking about the animism uh, one, we weren't really focusing on 
on the 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 day white just yet and this you know technically this is a gaulish podcast so we were mainly focusing on the the gaulish uh yeah uh those are nordic gods if i recall correctly uh, Ger- germanic uh, germanic they yeah went- uh, Wodan and Donar, as they went north, turned into Odin and Thor, or o- Odin and Thor. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, I think the the other question was. Uh, oh, here's the here's the question I was I was going to mention. I. <laughs> um, do we cover a certain time period with Gaulish polytheism? Um, Technically, the answer would be um, the Iron Age. Uh, if we had more information on the Bronze Age, Bronze and Stone Age, we probably would cover that too. But there really isn't much on it. I know there was Mm-mm. a tribe. There was a tribe in northern, 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 northern Italy and southern Switzerland that was particularly known for carving on rocks. They're actually mentioned in that HBO documentary I told you about. Yeah. Uh, but that, but. Uh, nothing really before the iron age and uh and, and actually i think the first time gauls even really mentioned was by or at least the well, the helvetii tribe were mentioned by Pliny the elder and that that story may not even have actually happened that it's it's more of a, a you know a mythical account yeah um, but yeah it, i it, until we find more evidence prior to the iron age we're mainly focusing on the iron age because that's really all we got right now yeah that that would be it all right you have anything else for us tonight no that's it all right well then y'all have a super wonderful evening and please do tune in next month as well yep see you guys then